Welcome to Family Business Insights, the official podcast of Family Business United, with me, your host, Paul Andrews, where we're looking to get behind the scenes of family firms, address the challenges they face, and discuss the matters of importance to the family business community around the world. With around 5 million family businesses in the UK today, employing around 12 million people, it's easy to see why family firms are referred to as the engine room of the UK economy. Our recent family business survey, determining the UK family business agenda, identifies the key concerns facing family business boardrooms the length and breadth of the country. I am delighted to be joined this morning by Lynn Calder from Anderson Anderson Brown in Edinburgh. And we are going to be discussing the results of the recent survey that we conducted, um, which helped to identify the current concerns and challenges facing the family business sector. So, Lynn, over to you. Let's get a brief introduction. Tell everyone about yourself and then we can get into the details of the survey. Many thanks, Paul. Yes, my name is Lynn Calder and I am the head of the family business team for Anderson, Anderson and Brown, affectionately known as AEB. Uh, we operate uh, across uh, several locations in the UK and as, uh, as you quite rightly said, I'm based in the Edinburgh office. Uh, we, uh, we've worked with family business clients for you know, well over 30 years now um, and I've been working with them for uh, far too many years to, to re- re- recount. Uh, and and uh, yeah, just, it's been fantastic to work with, uh, with you, Paul, on the, the, the survey this year uh, and uh, you know, delighted to talk through some of the results today. Fantastic. It's good to have you on board, Lynn. Um, Thank you. Obviously, the survey was done towards the end of the summer in early autumn. So things have moved on, I guess, with the pandemic since then. But I think one of the things I thought was really interesting was the optimism in terms of family firms being really optimistic this year compared to last year. Um, Are you still seeing that optimism in the family business place, in the marketplace today? We absolutely are. Uh, It will be interesting to see if uh, the, the Omicron uh, upset and in the last couple of weeks changes that but that aside we are we are absolutely seeing optimism in the marketplace which is is great to see uh, you know I think that family businesses like lots of other communities have learned to cope with uncertainty and have learned how to adapt quickly to you know to make sure that they can operate their their business in the way that serves you know all of their stakeholders their teams their customers their, their communities and uh, they, they they have a resilience that you know really is is fantastic to see uh, clearly many family businesses are, are in sectors that are impacted heavily uh, in in the, the pandemic but the, the resilience is built into their dna isn't it and that's an mm-hmm. attribute that has served them really well in the past yeah it's a word we've used a lot in the last year is the last 18 months resilience and the way they've evolved mm-hmm. and changed um, I, th- I think we should put the caveat up front, actually, in terms of the survey as well. And you're right that some sectors have been more heavily impacted than others. And, and none of us now are sure what's going to happen to hospitality going forward. So the results of the survey are more general. But but degree of optimism is great. And hopefully um, that fear factor that started with the pandemic has kind of tamed, toned down a bit now. And we're looking to the future. And I guess we're seeing some family firms seize those opportunities. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the word pivot has been used many times in the last, uh, you know, twenty odd months, and and uh, and that you know that is great to see. And um, there are opportunities that come out of of uh, adversity, and you know, we we are operating in even more of a global and digital world than we were before. And um, and and you know, the, the stories we hear of of clients looking to 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 to, to adapt their business to you know what needs to be uh, what needs to be done to to survive, and hospitality is a great example of that 
Mm. I guess the, the hospitality sector, it, there's all sorts of regulations changes again now, but but the economic climate and uncertainty, I guess, for most of us, has been a big concern over the last two years. And I guess it's no surprise that it's the top issue for, for boardrooms and family businesses around the country. Do you think uncertainty is still a major cause of concern? I think the economic climate um, will always be at the top or close to the top of the agenda for, for family businesses. Uh, they, they really need to predict quite rightly what will happen in the short and longer term mm. to understand how to build around those uncertainties and the short term blips and still achieve that strategy. Uh, it's definitely still something that plays on the minds of, of owners and, and family businesses and of course it should be no matter what's happening in the economy you would expect that, that they would be keeping um, a close eye on, on what, will, what, what will happen. Um, I do think you know that since 2008 lots of businesses have in fact the whole of the UK has seen uncertainty after uncertainty uh, and things happening in an economic setting that are you know, completely out with their control. Yeah. And therefore, to an extent, I think economic uncertainty has just become part of the norm and something that our, our clients are building into their you know, sensitivity analysis, as it were, and their, their plan B options should the worst case scenario come to fruition. It's really yeah. great to see, though, that plan B hasn't had to be enacted in as many family businesses as was feared over the last decade or more. Uh, and, and long may that continue. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I guess it has to be on the, on the agenda, doesn't it, in terms of just knowing where your business is going and being aware and responding yeah. to what's going on in the world. So um, we have to wait and see. But I, I, it's been number one for us in, in the survey over the last four years. Um, and and I, I think you're right. It'll still be there in the years to come. And, and, and as you say, should be. Um, mm -hmm. You also mentioned the uncertainty. And I guess there's been a lot of uncertainty, not just with the pandemic, but also with Brexit um, and the implications that's had on businesses. Um, going forward we've heard a lot in the last year and a half about staff and people going back to european home bases and things and not coming back so recruiting staff is it's clearly an issue for family firms today isn't it recruitment and retention still keep family business owners awake at night that's for mm -hmm. sure I, I mean the survey results confirm that don't they much more so than last year so you know an increase from 17 percent to 51 percent is, is truly significant yeah. Uh, and, and the demand for you know, talented people has never been higher. Uh, and, and, and research is, is showing that the UK's workforce doesn't expect to be in a job for life anymore. Uh, and good employers really, really do need to understand that. Something that comes up a lot in discussions with, uh, with clients um, and, and indeed in, in our business is, is the employee value proposition uh, yeah. and how crucial that is to, to not only retaining people, but also to recruiting the right people. You know, and that's a combination of everything. Remuneration is, is only the, the tip of the iceberg. Individuals want to know that well-being is high on the employer's agenda, as well as ESG. That's a new phrase we're hearing a lot of now. Uh, diversity and inclusion um, and, and culture. And, you know, culture is one of those items that probably does need the most effort for, for every business. Family businesses have uh, the added benefit of having a really unique culture that encourages loyalty. And often, you know, as we know, family firms treat their employers like members of the family. But that will only go so far in an economy with high employment. Mm. The rest of the employee value proposition, you know, must be comparable. It's far harder and far more expensive to recruit and get someone new up to speed than it is to show how much you, you value your existing team. Yes. What do you think family firms are doing? Because you're right, there's a war for talent at the moment, isn't there? And digital skills mm -hmm. in particular are, are kind of in full demand by everybody. So how, what, how do family firms differentiate themselves to help them fill their vacancies then? What are you seeing? 
Oh, I'd love to say there was a magic wand in that one, Paul, but um, I, I don't think there is. I think filling vacancies is particularly difficult for, for you know, all sectors at the moment. And you've highlighted um, that digital is an issue. We we are definitely seeing uh, that food and drink family businesses are, are struggling. Uh, you know, food and drink, food and vegetable growers, sorry, and hospitality we talked about have struggled to recruit. And that's not just to do with the pandemic. Obviously, we've talked about labour mobility and and Brexit and you know the, the, these two sectors for example do have a high population of family businesses so mm. you know, the pressure is really on to fill those those vacancies uh, you know inevitably uh, salaries wages will have to rise uh, to to achieve the levels of, of vacancies that, that, that people people have to fill uh, and there's definitely definitely a, a place for hybrid working uh, if at all possible and offering that flexibility to staff um, for example, has become really important to make make family businesses more attractive than than the alternative. Yeah, I guess you're, I, I totally agree with you, and I think as well the pandemic has almost expedited, hasn't the need to talk about well-being and working from home and work-life balance and and giving staff that broader perspective, so that as a business trying to recruit, people understand what's on offer, and it's as you say, it's not just financial. Mm-hmm. Supply chain, we've seen a lot of the news in the last kind of the last six months, 12 months about supply chain issues. Are you seeing that for real, Lynn? Is that really an issue for family firms at the moment? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it, and it grows with every day. The pandemic carries on. Uh, and even whenever that may be, when the pandemic is over, uh, the the increase and the turbo boost that the economy will have just causes you know so many supply chain issues yeah. uh, you, you know the, the the economy is getting back on its feet we hope following the global shutdown albeit with short short-term hurdles as we've discussed and we we see supply chain issues impacting you know family businesses in so many sectors from car and van dealerships which again tend to be family businesses being unable to to get new vehicles to food manufacturers who are struggling with distribution for example Brexit hasn't helped on the distribution distribution front either, of course, especially for perishable food pr- producers. Mm. Something that I think is quite clear in Scotland, isn't it? You've got the whole Scottish seafood shellfish um, issues and ex- exporting to Europe and things and some other challenges they face. So I think that's probably going to continue, isn't it? It is definitely going to continue. I mean, there are some some uh, strides and, and and a commitment to try and resolve that, but it's uh, but it's going to be a long process to get it to where it was pre Brexit. And, and raw materials across the board are a big problem in some sectors. So, take construction products for example. Mm. The global demand has gone through the roof as the construction industry has made up for lost time, uh, and unless. Uh, increased prices can be passed on to customers in full then there's inevitably a downward pressure on uh, profitability and the other one we've seen quite recently um is is utility prices and gas shortages as we know so um that's um that's becoming more and more important and and, and a, a bigger number a bigger impact on on the profit and loss account than we've, we've seen in in recent years yeah, that's, that's true. The other thing that came out, came out in the subject for me, which actually is a really positive, I think, is we, we were hearing a lot of and COP26 was in Glasgow. So the whole environmental issue, the planet has become, it's really come to the fore. Um, you and I talk about this a lot in terms of family firms always try and do the right thing, don't they? Um, mm-hmm. but, but what are you seeing them doing well? And, and do you think there's any room for improvement? I mean, the survey's got it as a big issue. It's on the board agenda. D- do you think family firms are doing enough? So... 
good question. Um, there's not universal recognition yet of, of ESG, environmental, social and governance priorities yet. And the survey showed that almost a quarter of respondents don't have an environmental policy, for example. Yeah. Uh, that does mean, though, that three quarters do have a policy uh, and over 90% uh, you know, consider the environment when, when making business decisions. So that's great news. Um, if we were to pull together a report card for, for the, the, the community, I think we'd be saying that there's a there's been a huge improvement in family businesses and their understanding of ESG and, and they need but they need to do more um, and actively do more. You know, the teacher would say that there is definitely room for improvement. Uh, and understanding the carbon footprint has to be the starting point. If you don't know how and where you're polluting, how can you possibly go about about changing it? So, you know, the next year for me is is all around education. Um, you, you've hit the nail on the head, Paul, uh, when you mentioned COP26. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've see, seen a huge difference in the, the rhetoric and the dialogue from clients in the last couple of months. Uh, and maybe that's partly north of the border because it, it's been right on our doorstep, but it doesn't feel that way. It genu genuinely feels as if uh, businesses have, have got it very much more on their agenda than they perhaps did earlier on this year. I'd agree. I think that the COP26 has de definitely amplified the, the impact or the need to, to take, a, take into account um, the impact of each business on, on, on the planet. I, I guess the bit I am hearing, Lynn, and I, I think you probably echo this, is that there's not a lot there's not enough resources out there to help those family firms make those first steps um in terms of as you say understanding their carbon footprint and then knowing what they can do and what the options are in order to address it so i think mm -hmm. there is room for for education as, as, as you say but also providing resources to help these families deal with the challenges that they need to deal with to help us all make a contribution to, to saving the planet so i think resources need to become available in the make more businesses uh, take those first steps Yes, absolutely. And businesses are aware of their part to play in doing the right thing, but clearly they do need the help and resources to, to make that difference. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's a fair assessment with 47% uh, who said in the survey that they, they, they don't feel there are, there are sufficient tools and resources available to become truly sustainable. And you know, I, I agree with your point that there, there needs to be more help and guidance out there. Um, change and innovation uh, in, in to the way family businesses operate uh, to become sustainable is definitely needed and it's something that that family businesses broadly want to take responsibility for uh, you know in our experience uh, family businesses who have made the biggest strides in their sustainability campaigns have surrounded themselves with experts who can help uh, that doesn't necessarily mean it's support provided by the government sometimes it's bringing in um, private sector experts uh, and because very few businesses have the know-how in-house and understandably so, so, um, you know, bring in support uh, that can, can help you to progress on that journey, you know, quicker than might be possible waiting for, for central support, I'd say. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you. And I also think family firms have been around for generations, so they are sustainable businesses and they look at the, yes. the stewards for future generations. So the sustainability message, message really does resonate with them. It's just, just joining, for me, it's just joining the dots and just giving them the resources to continue to do what they do as a force for good. So I think mm -hmm. there's lots of opportunities isn't there. And it's good, great to see the survey recognising that, one, they're doing mm -hmm. things, but they know that there is room for improvement, but, but that they're on the case, aren't they? Yes, that, that's a great point. Um, sustainability has lots of different definitions and contexts, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the multi-generational businesses and businesses who have been around for a long time, of course, they're sustainable and they have to be to adapt to, uh, you know, changing 
changing uh, dynamics across the across the years, across the decades. So they are sustainable uh, and, and know how to how to adapt. Uh, I think here we're talking about something slightly different, but the, the mindset still needs to be the same. Yeah, I'd agree with you. It's a really good point. Um, we mentioned staff just now, and obviously the, 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 the challenge for, 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 for talent and the war for talent that's going on at the moment. But what do you think families do well in terms of it as an employer? What, what makes a good family business employer? Good question. Good question. Um, we, we talk about family businesses as if they are all the same, and of course they are all they are all very different. But I think what we what we see uh, in in lots of them that are uh, good employers and therefore have low staff uh, turnover, high staff retention, uh, is a real focus on values, uh, and, and that's a, a phrase. I guess a, a word that's used a lot. Uh, but what does that really mean? I guess it's um, making sure that you live those values, isn't it? So um, many family businesses focus on loyalty, inclusion, integrity, uh, and genuinely caring about their team. We see a, a high level of empathy within family businesses, and you know that's not necessarily the case across the whole business community. Yeah. Uh, and that's uh, that's partly the, the the piece we talk about a lot about the you know the the individuals the team members being an extension of the family but it's also the the fact that they take the same approach with customers customers and suppliers and um, we also see fairly high emotional intelligence within family businesses so they're, they're keen to to look to stand in the shoes of the of their uh, stakeholders their their team members etc and, and and assess how they would feel um, and how does that make them feel? Are we handling communications in the correct way, et cetera? So um, I think there's there's a recognition that when they make decisions, uh, that they, they take the, the views and the needs of, of their stakeholders into account. I think that's really key. Yeah, I think that, that's true, isn't it? It's, it's, it's living it, but they're, they're living their values and they're recruiting, as you said earlier, on to, to the cultural fit of the business too. Um, Absolutely. And I think they care. I think the other thing we've seen through the survey, it's great that actually... The recognition is there for family business business employers, but um, they've been involved in their communities for generations too. So they're kind of intrinsic to to, to the communities in which they're based. Um, mm -hmm. And I think probably over the last eighteen months, as well as as, as the survey showing it, but we've seen that they they've reaped the rewards, haven't they? Staff have been really loyal. They've worked the extra mile. They've gone the extra miles, and they've worked hard to actually help businesses evolve and and as you said, pivot to to deal with the pandemic. But but they've kind of got that payback because of the time and they've invested in their staff over the years as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, it's also interesting for me, you look at the numbers and, and actually most family firms are recruiting. So the war for talent's not going to go away, is it? We've got probably got a few challenging months ahead and trying to fill vacancies to help businesses continue to, to bounce back and grow. Oh, absolutely. And we're in a, a high, high employment economy, despite mm. all of the, the problems that we're having. So recruitment issues won't go away. And from your perspective, Lynn, I... The challenges that, that, that we've identified in the survey this year, they're kind of the, the challenges you'd expect. There's staffing issues, there's supply chain issues, there's dealing with the economic uncertainties that, 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 that are out there. But 71% of family firms believe that being a family business during the pandemic has really helped them, I guess, continue to do what they do. Do you think being a family business has really stood them in good stead? Oh, it really did help, didn't it? Um, I mean, many family businesses were able to re react with speed due mm. to their ability to make decisions quickly. Um, that's not to say that non-family businesses couldn't react quickly, but when the owners are so familiar with each other, it's easy just to get on with it, as it were. Uh, and also the, the piece that was really exciting to see um, for multi-generational family businesses was that the older generations have been there before. 
Mm. They, they know how to come through a crisis and probably more than one and how to keep their heads. Uh, you know, most of the, the young the young ones haven't seen anything like this before in their lifetimes and, and are you know, fortunate not to have seen. And hopefully it will be will be the only time. But but who knows? Um, that said, the, the younger generations understandably embraced the tech far better. Uh-huh. And so the combination was was you know, truly impressive. We talk often about the family business being closely aligned to the community uh, and that family firms want to do their bit. Uh, and have uh, and helped to further um you know entwine the two over over the over their existence so you know staff support and the sense of community working together um for i guess the, the survival of the business uh, at the start of the pandemic and then focusing on what needs to be done you know going forward has really shown through so you know pulling together um and seeing that you know it's reassuring to see that being a family business has, has definitely helped during that time yeah, it was great to see the generations pull together, wasn't it? And and, and the boredom agenda has been addressed by by the management team, which is as we, we've often talked about is it's often family and non family members and, and people driving the business, but but the stakeholders have really had to come together in order to deal with things that that hopefully are like a once in a generation um, issue to deal with. So it's really good to hear you say that they've come together and they understand the stakeholders, but they are a force for good and they've really used that as a as a positive mantra to help them through the past couple of a couple of a couple of years mm-hmm. that have been been incredibly difficult. Um, and, and as you say, it, it has been the case that, they, that many firms have, have brought in non-family members. Yeah. Uh, a recognition, as we talked earlier about bringing in experts, also recogni- recognising that sometimes the skill set isn't there internally to, to make, make the way through the crisis. Or perhaps the business has, has pivoted to such an extent that you need to bring in someone from the outside who understands how to do what you're now doing. Uh, and and that, that's, um, that's been really, really prevalent, I have to say. Um, we, we we have been seeing over over the the decades um more uh, willingness to bring in non-family members and and i think the, the pandemic has accelerated that as well yeah it goes back to the phrase i use a lot the jim collins quote it's about getting the right people on the bus but not just on the bus they just need to be in the right seats to help drive that bus forward and drive the yes. business forward so yeah jim collins really helps in terms of of summing up what what, what family businesses do when they get it right um why do you think family, what makes you think, or why do you think family businesses are special? What makes them special to you? Oh, we've talked often enough about this, haven't we? About family firms being the backbone of, of the UK economy and, and globally for that matter. Mm. Uh, so, you know, they really are an important barometer of what's working and what's not in the economy. Uh, and and this, this makes surveys like this fundamental, you know, if governments and policymakers are to understand what, what businesses, you know, need from them. You know, for for me, uh, I I love that family businesses take a long long term view. You know, they they build wealth and and economic growth over a long time. They may not drive exponential growth over a couple of years, like you know the latest tech invention, but they generally stay in local ownership, which you know, can be fundamental to local areas continuing to thrive. I I should say though that that doesn't mean that family businesses aren't entre- entrepreneurial. They absolutely are. Um, they can be a breeding ground for entrepreneurship, um, supporting each generation to you know pursue new opportunities. Uh, and if you think about it, as we said earlier, it's actually a necessity. You know, no no business can be in existence for decades and decades without advancing. And indeed, you know what employees need changes over that time as well. So you know, say it's, it's it's important to to, to remember that. But really special. Uh, you know, we've talked about the the unique culture and uh, and how they look after their communities and their 
their um their, their their team members and you know people remember that when when you're looked after during during hard times it's no wonder that retention is so high yeah and i think for me the survey sums up the kind of the current challenges they're facing but actually they're not they're not averse to actually taking the challenge and facing it head on and dealing with it are they so it's really important no. that we, we continue to feed into that boardroom agenda to help them evolve and help them develop um, and embrace the opportunities that come through it. So, so moving forward then into 2022 and, and, and jumping ahead, this was a great pulse of, of where we're at now. What do you what do you see as the opportunities for family businesses moving into 2022? I'd love to say it's all going to be rosy, but you know, <laughs> sitting here in, in mid to late December, uh, recent developments from a COVID perspective suggest that we are some way away from being able to forget about immediate responses to, you know, more changes in our circumstances. And, um, you know, we shouldn't ignore that for, for many family businesses in certain sectors, as we've discussed, is, mm. is still about survival and, and, uh, and, be, and get, getting through, um, you know, for others. Oh, there will be opportunities lying in embracing uh, the, the the changes in our lives in the last two years and, and really taking advantage of, of of these so i'd like to see even more investment in tech and taking advantage of new market opportunities uh, that come with them you know the digital age that we that we live in now uh, and it would be really good to see um, more focus on you know, truly embracing hybrid working uh, so I, 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 still a reasonably large percentage of the, the survey um, said that they, they hadn't either um, adopted hybrid working or, or didn't intend to. Um, so I think that's something that, that we would we would expect to see um, happening and, and really to to you know, to keep keep family businesses at the forefront of that that war on talent as we discussed. Yeah. Uh, and then and then back to uh, back to the to good old ESG. You know, it's not going away. Uh, and by this time next year, we would expect the family business community to have made even even greater strides on this. Um, that might not seem like an opportunity as such, but what we are seeing um, is customer decisions um, now taking ESG into account. So if competitors are neither being carbon zero, then, then sales might be a risk. Uh, and interestingly, we're also seeing um, banks and equity investors uh, making funding decisions based on on ESG factors. So, for example, industries with high emissions that aren't proactively uh, tackling those mm -hmm. um, can can find it difficult to raise money. So, um, you know, ESG shouldn't be far away from people's uh, people's thoughts in the next twelve months. Yeah, I'd agree with you actually. And I, I think actually the one thing that for me the pandemic's done is it's focused that strategic conversation that we often say it's lonely at the top. Business owners don't have time to think about being the, the long-term strategy. It's very much we're doing day-to-day -day, and there has been an element mm -hmm. of day-to-day -day survival, but we're through there now. And and I think that strategic piece is really important to maintain the innovative way that family firms are, are doing new things. And I think you're right, ESG will become bigger on the agenda. Um, Absolutely. If you could leave with one thought for 2022, then what would be your what would be the one thing that you think family businesses that you've mentioned ESG and that may that may be the one, but but what's the mm -hmm. one thing that every family business should take away from the survey and think actually I need to think about this for 2022? Oh, that's a good question. I I I think it's hard to narrow that down to one point, Paul, because there were mm -hmm. there were lots of good you. Know, Good points and, and really interesting statistics in, in the survey uh, and each and every family business will look at the results and hopefully see that someone someone else is doing something that they've either not thought of or doing more of or or maybe tackling something in a slightly different way that, that gives them maybe a couple of actions to take away to to do mm. to do more of themselves 
so you know, I think sustainability, investment in tech, investment in people, uh, and and um, you know, I guess just making best use of the resources that you have as well, and retaining staff really, really will be up there as priorities for next year. But tailored to your own individual circumstances is what I'm hearing. Uh, absolutely, yes. I think the actions that businesses take will will be very much dependent on on their own their own circumstances. As we said earlier, for some looking ahead could be quite difficult, depending on the impact of COVID, Brexit, yeah. uh, and and whatever's to, to come around the corner <laughs> next. Brilliant, Lynn. As always, it's a pleasure speaking to you. And I think the surveys really helped show up some of the current things on the boardroom agenda across the UK today. Um, anyone that wants a copy of the survey, they can download one from FamilyBusinessUnited.com. And Lynn, it's a pleasure talking to you today. It's great to see the work that you're doing with family firms across Scotland and the rest of the UK. And we wish you all the success for, for the year to come. Thanks, Paul. It's nice to speak to you. Thanks, Lynn. You too. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Paul Andrews, signing off. Join us next time for more insights from the world of family business. <laughs>